Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I am Sam Blakely and I'm joined as always by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how are you? I think I've got better taste because my taste buds are more flavoursome. Mm, what makes you think that? Yeah, I don't know, just experience. Just experience. You look like a man who, who likes bland food. I am well up for staunch, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I, I mean, it is my favourite kind of food. <laughs> you know. So I am English after you know, all. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm only joking. You know, you know actually, maybe when I went, I went, it could be a matter of culinary... culinary Delight. No, I'm not. I was on holiday in Prague, the <laughs> home of Noki, and I had a bowl of Noki with um, roast potatoes and chips. Noki? <laughs> and pa- no, pa- uh, yeah, it's like a pastry sort of dish. It was basically carbs on carbs on carbs. It was it was ludicrous. Oh, right, okay. And 13 Where years later, my friend is still... Um, oh, was up. this when you went to Venice? To Prague. To Prague? Oh, when did you go to Prague? The year after Venice. 2008. Ah, uh, for yeah. um, completists out there who are interested in my holiday timeline. I mean, let's be honest... Eastern Europe isn't known for its culinary delights. It's kind of known for its culinary sort of um, mysteries. <laughs> Maybe it's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Baklava. It's culinary. Yeah. No, that's yeah, Morocco, isn't it? Stuff, no, with, stuff with lots of potatoes. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's very potato yeah. pastry. Tagine. Sort of thing. Tagine, isn't it? Morocco. <laughs> I'm not really the man for... I've had a yeah, we're nice. not James Edcaster... And or Ed Gamble, it's not off menu. It's uh, it's please watch this a film uh, no, podcast. You have you seen right. any films this week besides the, uh, to this week's film? Um, good question. I think I did actually, but I can't remember what I watched. No, oh, this is this is hot Maybe content. Maybe not hot off the presses. It is. <laughs> yeah, my memory's failing. Me. I decided. Uh, I decided to not play FIFA one time and watch a oh, film, which is unbelievable watch. news for us all. And it was Palm Springs, which will be a future episode. Oh, I was thinking of watching that. Actually. Well, I'll, I'll make you watch it two weeks from now. Fair enough. <laughs> Sounds ir- irrational. Yeah. Oh, yes. For the podcast, uh, that is. Um, yeah, but what film are we doing this week? Very important question, that, Hugh. And here's the important answer. It's 1996's The Birdcage. Uh, following last week's uh, film, Mississippi Burning, in which I basically fell in love with Gene Hackman, I thought, let's go for another Gene Hackman film. And let's yeah. let's go for a bit of a risk. A film I'd not seen before <laughs> until this yeah, week. Yeah, so you basically broke the premise of our podcast mm. so we could you know we could have dancing monkeys in later for all I know, you know we've gone off we've gone well, don't ruin it off script <laughs> don't spoil so, the surprise yeah, so, so I suppose the question of what did you like about this film may be quite mute you might be like no I didn't really like it actually I thought it was a bit shit it was, I can see why I'd never say it, it was risky you know I was so confident I feel, that I'd really I love feel it. like you watched this film because you had a subscription you've got a subscription to is it Star or MGM. something or MGM? It is, MGM it is 100% that reason I don't want to pay a two months subscription yeah. Hugh I, I paid the five pounds a month for Mississippi Burning I'm going to get my money's worth yeah uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's so. uh, it's the birdcage. Um, I'll give a little uh, summary, a plot summary, not a synopsis, because uh, we don't have all day. Um, no. Essentially, you have um, lovers, um, Armand played by Robin Williams and Albert played by Nathan Lane, and Armand has a son who's getting married. His son is Val. He's getting married to Callista Flockhart's character, whose name is. Um, Eight, eight, 18 year old Callista Flockhart. <laughs> 30 year old Callista Flockhart. Uh, I think she's about 21. She's 30. Uh, she's, she's literally 30. Is 
<laughs> she's literally 30. Yeah. She's literally 30 and everything. She, which, uh, I mean, she is. She's called Barbara. Yeah, Barbara. And um, uh, basically, her family, very, very uh, ultra-conservative. Well, as we should say with Callista Flockhart, sorry, uh, Mrs. Harrison Ford. <laughs> or Mrs. Ford. You know. Yes, of course. Because she hasn't done anything since she got married to <laughs> And why would you? Fact. Why would you? Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, so he's he's uh, he's marrying her. And she's a very ultra-conservative family, including a, a Republican senator and their families are meeting so therefore the extraordinary flamboyant um, couple in Armand and Albert need to straighten up and uh, try to get in a um, mother figure and basically try to show that they're not uh, gay cabaret owning uh, gayman, um, which is uh, part of the farce it's based on a French farce film which I haven't seen you yeah. I'm assuming you also haven't seen uh, said film uh, good right so I've just looked her up now. She was 32, playing an 18. It's amazing, isn't it? And I remember thinking, hang on a sec, this is about the Ali McBeal era. She's not 18. <laughs> but, yeah. but I guess she's, I knew that she's slim and, was and looks passable insane. as early 20s, you know. But I, I bought it completely. I, really? I was like, well, she's, yeah, I was like, well, she's not... I was like, well, she's not 18. I can see that. But I was like, she could at least... I thought she was... I must have misread it when I looked at it. But she's 30 when she's um, filming, basically. So 30-year-old Clitch Lockhart playing 18-year-old. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, unbelievable casting. Yeah, and, and you know, speaking of casting, let's get into the things that I like a lot. You know, I'm a massive fan of Robin Williams. I think he does sometimes get a bad rep. I'm, I think it was Community that they said he was a, a wet-eyed sentimentalist or something like Oh, Anyway, basically, I know he gets his critics sometimes but he is one of the um, was one of the greatest I think comic and dramatic actors that that America's produced Um, you know just well he went through he went through a period didn't he where he made those films that were all a bit smulchy and sentimental. And, That's it. As Arbez you know, said, have you ever seen Bicentennial? Like, I haven't actually. No, but he's he's always playing but... somebody who's um, not allowed to be fun. You know, it's always the establishment and making it not allowed to be fun and make jokes and stuff like Patch Adams and yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire yeah. and stuff. Now, I've rewatched Mrs. Doubtfire this year, and it is dealing them with Stone Cold Classic, but they need drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they need medicine. <laughs> yeah, which I think is fair. <laughs> he probably need, probably should do both. Let's face it. Uh, but anyway, no, he yeah. he is wonderful and he's great in this. And it's uh, you know, you, I don't know if you looked into the trivia of this, but he was originally cast as Albert, the much more flamboyant of the of the pair. And yeah, see that 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 makes sense to me. You see yeah. that he would have been the more flamboyant, but but yeah, go on. And you know, Sorry. this is a year before he was in um, uh, what's it called? You know, the thing. Goodwill hunting, hunting, where he's obviously not flamboyant at all. So he was originally cast as a, mm. um, and Steve Martin was going to play Al- uh, Armand, but when he pulled out, basically the mustache. Robin Williams, yeah, recast, and I, I think he's much better for it. He's incredibly extravagant, but you know, uh, you know, as we found out, he later took his own life. He's clearly he's sort of that cliched sad clown, I suppose. You know, he's somebody who's I think feels very profound, deep emotions and. He just he just brings it all in his in his performances. Yeah, and you think that's the best thing, one of the best things about this film. Anything else that you've? Got? Oh yeah, lots lots of stuff. So you know he he's great. Um, I do think generally it's cast uh, very well. Um, you know Gene Hackman, who we talked about, is is very good as this sort of ultra conservative senator. Um, there's some really wicked lines in it. You know, it's a very witty film. Um, if you look at the in the IMDb um, quotes, it's one of the longest lists of quotes I've ever seen. And they're not all stunners, but there are some really smart 
funny lines in it as well. Um, and uh, it's a farce, you know, so when it gets to the farcical elements, uh, which we'll get into more, maybe with favourite scenes, not to give away my favourite scene, I do like the farcical elements of this film, and I think, I think you will as well. I don't think you're going to absolutely have loved this film. I did have some reservations that I think you'll probably share. The, the, the main problem is the editing for me. Firstly, it should be a 90-minute film. It's two hours. It's about 30, 30 minutes too long. It's Between setting up the wedding, uh, setting up the fact that the marriage, I should say, setting up the fact that they're going to get married, and the family's meeting, there's too much stuff. You know, to compare it to last week's film, Mississippi Burning, there isn't a shred of shoe leather in that. There's not a there's not a, a wasted scene. This one, a lot of scenes go on far too long, and you don't need lots of it. Uh, so for me, that was my main issue with it, and I think it could have been okay. could have been snappily edited in terms of making punchlines land as well a little bit. It, it's a it's a funny criticism to make. I feel like it could have been camper. I feel like if it's going to be a farce, it should have been more ridiculous and more farcical for me you know kind of yeah. people falling through doors and uh, chasing maids around them and that sort of stuff I feel like <laughs> if you're going to do it do it and, and you know and I think for me also that the, the main one of the main issues is I really don't like the performance or the character of Val Arman's son really? I've, okay. I've just found Dan Futterman to be totally unlikable and totally forgettable and I didn't want him to succeed because he was being awful to his dad as it turns out, Dan Futterman, much better writer than he is an actor, because he, he's got an Oscar nomination. He wrote Capote and Foxcatcher. Oh, Fox! I've not seen Capote, but I've seen Foxcatcher, and Foxcatcher is very good. Yeah, so he's Seeker a... Amazing. He really is. So, yeah. For, scary. <laughs> yeah, so especially if you just come off watching, like, 40-year-old yeah, Virgin or thingy, whatever. The DuPont DuPont's family, yeah. It? Yeah, they oiled people or something like that, and, and then invested into other things. But yeah, Gosh. very. But yeah, so you don't. So you didn't like Val or the guy, or you didn't like either. You didn't like the, did you not like the? So did you not like the character as he was written, or did you not like the the actor? I think both, but it might be that the performance I found so unlikable that maybe it made me like the character. You know, if someone like Robin Williams was playing that character, I'd find ways to like him and 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 understand his flaws. But I just found him to be completely unsympathetic. Do you think something as well with that perhaps is the fact that all the other principal characters are all like very famous actors and actresses and this guy's not exactly yes <laughs> and it felt like yeah. he's playing what if this was cast now maybe like a bradley cooper would play a younger bradley cooper it's well, a bit too old to play now looks like bradley that's cooper, what i have in mind yeah and you wouldn't have yeah, to have seen bradley cooper in anything to almost. to if he was in this film if he was just you know 20 year old bradley cooper was in place of this guy in the film i think he would be likable i do think it's the performance yeah. It's a weird thing. It's weirdly sort of arrogant yeah. and uh, not very likable. But anyway, you know, so it was a risk, me uh, recommending this film. It's an unusual thing. Normally we, we come on and say why we love a film so much and maybe he has one flaw. Um, but I suspect you probably had a similar response to me. I think it is a very funny film. Had you heard of this film then before? You yeah, I've been meaning to watch it for a while. Um, who who recommend... So instead of... Usually we go, what what why, you know, why do you like it? Why did you... 
suppose why we rec- who recommended it to you and why were you interested? There wasn't in a particular it? recommendation from one person, but I'd I'd seen other people liking it online. I know it's a '90s Robin Williams film. Um, there was something I found yeah. in the trivia that actually I thought I've heard that before. Paul Thomas Anderson said that there's two films that he, if if they're on, he has to watch them all the way to the end. And one of them was this, and the other one was The Shining. So I think that had been in the back of my mind. It's possible that my very good friend Paul Thomas Anderson uh, had had recommended it to me uh, indirectly. So yeah, I just had a. I also saw one of those GQ uh, interviews where a where an actor sort of spells out um, important roles in their career, and Hank Azaria uh, was on that. Obviously, he plays Agador. Right, uh, in this film, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize you were in that. It looks interesting." He he'd just come from filming his his scenes in Heat uh, to do it, and yeah, I thought I'll give it a go. I mean, he'd already been doing The Simpsons like six, seven years. That's right, yeah, not not very well known face, but a very well known series of voices. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll go to a break in a, in a moment, and I think when we when we come back, we'll find out Hugh's views. I suspect they're quite similar to mine, but we'll find out. Join us after the break. Hello and welcome back to Please Watch This. Uh, so we're ready for Hugh's views. This is the, the most important part of any episode. Uh, Hugh, what did you like about 1996's The Birdcage? Um, so it's, as you stated in the previous part, it's a French farce. So yeah, it's very, yeah, no, it's 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 a well-made French farce, I guess, I think. I'm not overly familiar with the genre, but, you know, there was... When uh, spoiler alert, when Nathan Lane's character uh, Albert comes out dressed as a like conservative, <laughs> or what he, that character thinks is a conservative woman, um, you know there is a there is there was an audible guffawing and laughter and you know um, I think Nathan Lane basically is very funny in this film. He gets all the best, probably gets all the best laughs in the film you know he's got he gets all the best he gets to he gets to be the one who camps it up at, at the most I would oh, say yeah. um, really gets to let himself loose um, Robin Williams is it's one of those performances where to me it's like there's almost two films going on here there's the there's the comedy See, you said uh, just before the break, we said, oh, yeah, it's a, f- uh, a French farce. And that's what genre of comedy is. But it almost feels like a dramedy, mm, if that yeah. makes sense. Because there's moments where you get F-bombs and you get that... There's like um, there's a scene... Uh, is it a, a bus stop or something next to the next to the river or yeah. whatever? Next by to the, the marina beach, or something. Uh, next to the, yeah, by the sea. And, you know, that's a very touching moment between the two protagonists. Um, so yeah, you've got like tonally, it's it seems to be a bit all over the place in that regard. But then, yeah, if the, if it was thing is, if it was like a proper full out French, I think technically I might be wrong because I don't actually think I've seen it. But I've seen enough of it. I've seen quite a few bits of it. You know the bottom film they made. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think that is what you call a French yeah. farce. I think that's technically yeah, yeah. a French farce. But obviously it's ridiculous to the point of... Being, surreal. You know, yeah, yeah, surreal, yeah, is the best way. Yeah, well, with this, it, they try to ground it in reality as much as possible. Uh, and yeah, 
to the point where I even bought Callista Flockhart was playing <laughs> at 30 years old. Jesus, She's so thin. I think, I think that's so what it thin. is, yeah. It is, isn't it? The girl's made of nothing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. And Robin Williams, he's solid in this. You can see his... He gets his acting chops out. Um, you know, you can see that he's a... You know, he's a year out. He's probably... When this came out, he's probably filming... Um, you know, goodwill hunting. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, Sam, that's pretty much where my praise for this film mm. ends. It, this is, it was a really, it was the first film in a long time that I've not been excited about too yeah. much. Because it was one of those, I looked at it and went, oh, this is a Robin Williams film. Robin Williams film. How have I not seen this or even heard of it? I, I don't even think I'd heard of it. Or I was vaguely aware mm. of it. Um, I thought it was like some cancer drama or something similar <laughs> to like Philadelphia or something. But yeah, I was very much in the. And then yeah, I, I can't I can't say I can't say I, I liked it much, but I can't say I disliked it either. Right. It was just a, it was a it was kind of a meh film. It was very it was very nineties, quite <laughs> yeah, frankly, you know. It even had the classic "Let's zoom out" at the end. <laughs> you know, the camera yeah. like a, on a crane shot. It even had that sh- fit. You know, that all films in the nineties to me seem to end with. Um, Speaking of crane shots, I mean, sort of kind of uh, interrupting the flow there. I was really impressed by the opening, the establishing shot, and I thought, oh, that's that looks really amazing because it goes over the water onto the beachfront into the club. In one, it's seemingly one continuous shot, but it, as it turns oh, out, it's three separate shots. It's a helicopter to a crane yeah. to a handheld or to a steadicam. Um, and I was watching it thinking, that looks really amazing. How have they done that? Is that somebody's been on a helicopter and got out of it, or like how, what? It, obviously, it's not a drone or anything. So, what could it be? It's a very impressive uh, establishing shot at the start. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and I mean, you've got the director here's a guy called Mike Nichols who directed The Graduate, yeah. amongst yeah, other yeah. things. So, you know, you've got a Nix. Yeah, it felt like, it almost felt like a career vehicle for everyone, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, Nathan Lane, really, this surprisingly was his breakout screen role, really. He was well-known on Broadway, but he hadn't done many films before this and wasn't actually that well-known to the American public, which is hard to really? think because he's, I mean, he's not young. He's just been, you know, he'd been basically on Broadway before this. Is he? Um, is it Nathan Lane who's in Mouse? Yeah, Mouse Hunt. Yeah. See, that's that's a farce. Isn't yeah, it, think, yeah, yeah. You know? And again, yeah. quite surreal and kind that, of breaks some laws of physics yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great film. I think, yeah, I, think I really, I do love, love that, it too. That uh, that film. This, I was just a bit. I, I felt like I felt like Gene Hackman was phoning it in. Quite <laughs> Compared, you know, we have to watch Mississippi yeah. Burn last week, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then we watch this, and he's just—it's like he's reading the dialogue. Um, <laughs> I found him to be a, a curious character, um, in the sense that he's obviously, in, in some ways, quite a one-dimensional, ultra-conservative Republican type. But sometimes mm. he was very just—I didn't understand. I didn't understand what they wanted to do with him. It felt like you know Will Ferrell in uh, in the office when he comes in and he's kind of you don't he seems to flip flop between several different personality traits and you don't know yeah. what you don't know whether he's supposed to be somebody that has got these stupid views but ultimately is quite a strong character or what. I, 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 yeah, I found him to be not that well written, not that well fleshed out as a character really. Yeah, and what what surprised me the most about this film was sort of. 
that it asks you to believe that um, that the wife, his wife, Gene Hackman and his wife, um, don't realise it's a bloke. Like you can see his five o'clock shadow. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, I, well, you know, I think I. It's interesting because Diane Weiss, who is fantastic in everything, uh, you know, who plays his wife. Yeah. I think she obviously she sees more than he does. He's, I think, um, completely, th- completely thrown by the fact that uh, Nathan's character has all his political views. So I think he sees right past. I think I think he just doesn't see that she's a guy yeah. because because of her views on whether it's abortion or, or you know whatever yeah. poverty and stuff <laughs> yeah kill the yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah and I think it hung the film kind of hinged on that um you know on that sort of premise did you as an audience member buy it and personally I kind of did right. because it was so obvious I mean obviously we spent time with this character for the last hour and a half and it was like you were saying this film it felt like it should have been a 30 minute sitcom rather than a it felt like a it's too long isn't it Will and Grace or yeah. something you know it, I mean? there really is and I've been rewatching it in the background as I always do and there really is just such a long process between setting up the marriage and the family's meeting. Mm. The family, you don't have to watch their mm. whole road trip, and you don't have to watch, um, you know, Armand and Albert go through so many different stages of of conflict, and you know, getting the right people together and yeah. convincing the mother and all this sort of stuff. Like none of that's needed, really. Uh, it, it could easily yeah. be ninety minutes. And you don't, you don't need all the, like, oh, it's not so much you don't need it, but you, you, there's a couple of scenes you do need. You need obviously the son coming to tell his dad about him getting married uh, you need the you need the daughter telling his family you know that whole setting up of expectations and then that obviously is a good part I quite like the fact that they want to bring in his real mum yeah. his birth yeah, mum yeah. and um, that they and they go and I like that's, that that scene's really good where he goes and they've still got like they've got this weird chemistry <laughs> between mm. them do you know what I mean which I thought was quite and then obviously Albert sees that and gets upset but at, at the beginning of the film I legitimately didn't kind of realise that I thought him and Albert were like friends or something because I couldn't realise I, could, I didn't know why they're Albert not very was tender so are they upset no I wasn't sure why he was upset that that he you know why he wasn't mm. going on do you, can you explain if you remember why doesn't he want to go on at the beginning other than he's just been a drama I think queen? he feels basically old and past it and um, not up to it basically and, and it, a lot of it is because of the tension in their relationship and that lack of tenderness and how little attention he's getting from uh, Armand right I see so I see I just assume, at the beginning I legitimately thought that they were um, like I just thought they were in a dressing yeah. room, like in and Albert was one of his dancers and, it, and, and being a bit of a prima donna and yeah, having a bit of a dressing yeah. room. And I thought he was, for some reason, I thought he was sad because a man left him right. or something, and he was and he was like heartbroken. And it was only as the film went on, and there is there is no scene like this is one of these films where either they had it in the they had it in the film originally and then took it out. Or the script originally and took it out because of, you know the censors and all that and they didn't want to not the censors but they didn't want to rock the the boat too much for a sort of Robin Williams mm. film but there's no scene of those two characters no, kissing you no. know there's no there's no it's a bit like I always remember is it the um, is it 
the Invention of Lion. Oh, yeah. With Ricky Gervais and... Jennifer Garner. Um, yeah, it's like the two characters never actually kiss properly yeah. in that film, which is really strange. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because <laughs> they're just an unbelievable film couple. No real romance. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, no one... But you do believe them as a couple by the end of the film. You just felt like... Jennifer Garner's just said, no, I'm not kissing you. <laughs> she can fuck right off. Yeah, and I felt like this was... Well, I've, I've never, seen him, I've never the... seen him kiss anybody in, in any film, and it's either because he's, you know, basically been married for 30-odd years, or if uh, he's always said he doesn't really like the kiss as a romantic element. He prefers, like, a a charming, tender line or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and that's fair enough, but... I, th- I think in that film, they Yeah. <laughs> but it might have been even... But anyway, not not to make this an invention of line podcast, but, but that would have been even less because you'd be going oh that's Ricky Gervais kissing Jennifer Garner I've just realised they just do not fit sexually <laughs> you know but that was the point of that. that's the whole point yeah. of the film though isn't but it but if you're supposed he's, to try to buy them together at the end I think if they kiss you'd be like oh actually they shouldn't be <laughs> but you're right I wonder <laughs> if it was a you're like that's you so wonder gross. if it's a yeah if it's like a if it's like a sponsors thing a sensibility thing a worry or an actor yeah. thing where they don't want to show them kissing yeah. it is you know, I'm not necessarily one who thinks that if it's a gay role, it has to be a gay actor. But there are benefits to that. No, you know? but it, but there is. There, I thought there was a conspicuous absence of gay actors in this yeah. film. Yeah, exactly. Nathan Lane, and, I think, is probably the only one of the yeah, yeah he's of the principal cast who's actually gay. Which again, oh, is he? Oh, is he? Yeah, he wasn't gay? out at this time, but he oh, was. I th- yeah. Oh, I thought he was. See, I, yeah, I, I didn't oh, even. Really, I mean, it's so obvious, isn't it? When, when, like when you when you realise, but yeah, he wasn't. I think because he wasn't out for the longest time, so so we we've sort of filed him away as well. Well, not really. well, he's sort of one of these actors. He doesn't exactly. He's not a person in real life who like you know minces around, so yeah. to speak. And there is a lot of mincing there in this is. film. Now, this was a question I was wondering, not because I'm not up with drag queen culture <laughs> or even gay culture of any kind. Um, it's just not in my wheelhouse, maybe, um, <laughs> but. Would this be seen as like a? I don't know. I mean, I don't think if you'll be able to answer this, quite frankly. But is it a true representation of like what it like drag queen shows are like? Is it or is it a lot? You know, because there's a, like I said, there's a lot of almost stereotyping in this. Yeah, film, there you is. Know? Nathan Lane's character is very stereotypically typical. This you know aging drag queen drama queen character who's you know quite. You know, it's like it does look like a, a male man in his in his forties <laughs> wrote him up. Yeah, you know I mean, I mean? yeah. I, I mean, Hank Azaria said he had two different accents for Agador, and spoke to a gay friend of his, and, and he said actually that the one he ended up with was more realistic. Because it's funny because yeah. there are people who are who are just walking stereotypes, and you go, wait, that, that's a. F- it's almost offensive how camp a person is, but that's actually how they are. Mm. Um, as to the drag thing, yeah, I, I can only tell you from watching RuPaul's Drag Race, and it looks pretty accurate, but yeah. I don't know what necessarily drag queens are like behind closed doors. Um, but it seems yeah. pretty true to that. Yeah, I was just part of me was just feel felt like maybe it was was over exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, and, and again, it, for me, it's it could cause... have been even more so. At least the. At least the film could have been camper because uh, the characters are camp enough, you know. That just the there's a lot of static cameras. Is, yeah. is my problem with it, you know. There's you've got all this extravagance going around in these camp stereotypes, uh, whether they're true to life or not. But the it's very very staid, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, the, uh, to be fair though, I did I did buy 
all the characters, like the main characters who are gay. I did buy them as gay, but it was just my brain knew that. Well, I up, up until a few minutes ago, I just just thought they they all <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I liked Hank Azaria in this. He was quite funny. He was buff in this, wasn't he? You forget how buff he is. He was in a, a film, was it Run Fat by Run? And he's completely ripped and you're like, he just he just doesn't... He, he ripped he, in that? That's like... Much like yeah, he's always been crazy, he's always been yeah. buff and ripped, but he just he just doesn't yeah. look it under the clothes. Like, I think he probably was when he was in Friends as as David, yeah, but he just carries himself in such a way. made him look a bit... I think that character's meant to be nerdy, exactly, yeah. And he's always he always he looks a bit a sort of gaunt or something, but yeah, he just it's a weird it's a weird thing. He's always buff. Yeah, weird, mm. isn't it? Um, so yeah, so that was that was a surprise. Felt good for him, though, I thought yeah. in that film. Um, yeah, what else do I have to say before we move on to favorite scenes, favorite lines, and all that jazz? Um, yeah, no, that was everything pretty much. Um, yeah, I think that it's one of those. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, I can I can probably um, tell you tell your rating, uh, but we'll we'll get to I that later. A, I had um, I had a lot of nineties nostalgia. Watching yeah, it, I must yeah. admit, not because of just the characters and the actors in it, but just it it was very nineties. Although there was one strange observation I made. It seemed like every time they went outside. Everyone was under twenty five, <laughs> more or less. It was really odd. Well, that is yeah. the, that is the well, area, these, isn't it? You know, the it looks like they turfed out all the gyms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean, but you know, that's that. Yeah, people. What do you mean? The people like um, roller skating in bikinis, background and stuff. actors. Yeah, yeah. Even when they were walking, there's a bit where they're just walking down the street towards the camera when they go to the restaurant when um, before he decides to like make him be straight <laughs> <laughs> see I think that would have been funnier him playing straight I think it would have been and it is funny what they do with the with him pretending to be his yeah. wife but I would have liked to have seen him trying to be straight and it be a bit peculiar <laughs> but I suppose they would have thought well you've got to go I'm guessing part of the maybe the genre is you go over the top perhaps maybe so yeah so you and, it, and, it is, and it is based on another film that presumably went the same way yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see what the, that film because was that a similar? Is it the exact same premise where it's like a gay couple, a cabaret? To, to my knowledge, yeah. Paris I'm going to look that up a little bit, but uh, yeah, I don't really know much about it. I, I've almost, I've even even said the name of it because I'm I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce Lacage Ofolle <laughs> Folle. That's how. Yeah. It, that's probably how I'd pronounce it. But yeah, yeah I really don't know anything about pretty that much. But I know a lot of people love it, yeah. and so that that did lead to some dislike of this film, which we'll get into the critical response. So, as as you mentioned, yeah, yeah. let's do Fair. scenes, lines, and, and favorite shots. What was your favorite scene? Yeah, okay. Um, so my favorite scene I've got down here, and the one that yeah, it was the it was my favorite scene, and it and it did make me laugh was when they're when he's teaching him to be oh, straight, yeah. and he's like. There's the there's a couple. It's, well, it's basically two scenes together. Technically, it's where he's like, uh, "Walk like John Wayne. He's a man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a, you know, get off your horse and drink your milk yeah. and all that sort of stuff." And then he does the John Wayne walk, and he's like, "No, John Wayne really doesn't walk like that." <laughs> but my favourite bit was. Um, <laughs> when they're talking about the dolphins. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, and um, and he's like. He's like, is that, is that how it, is that right? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, what was your favourite scene? My favourite scene by by a long way was when the families met. 
when the two families finally met because I'd been waiting so yeah. long for that to happen and that was where the actual farce part came in because farces usually yeah. involve somebody's dressed up as somebody else and they have to convince them before the priest comes and the someone's died and they've got to move the body and that sort of stuff <laughs> and, and, and that's right, what I came I to the film for and that's what that's what that did so well yeah. um so yeah yeah it did take it probably did take too long for the for the two principal names to meet each other didn't yeah it? and again like you said this I is it's, that, in some ways it's a 30 minute sitcom probably. episode set it yeah. up meet like, them, they could have they could have literally they could have played it out so much more couldn't they that that stuff they could have had them um you know they could have had it that they have the dinner but then the family stay over and then they're up in the morning for breakfast yeah. and he's like half dressed as a Some man sort of Mrs. Doubtfire thing you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's fast coming those in those uh, episodes, uh, in those scenes as well, why it? is it in Mrs. Doubtfire you can buy that he's a woman in that that's what I don't I understand I think it's because he's got a full face mask on Oh, he's, he's got, got a full face mask, hasn't he? Yeah, whereas yeah. it's just Nathan Lane's just... face. I mean, you you might <laughs> yeah, buy it as a woman if you beard. didn't know who Nathan Lane was. As a middle-aged woman wearing pearls and stuff, you might. You can see his beard. <laughs> that is that definitely my a factor. Only, that, honestly, that was my only criticism, <laughs> you could see his And obviously beard. that was maybe part and of the was... joke, but yeah, it does. if, if it kind yeah. of ruined that um, sense of uh, uh, disbelief, dis, you know, dispension. Dispension of disbelief, yeah, that's what I meant. That's, that's what dis- everyone dis- says. Yeah, yeah I'm a film podcaster. That's <laughs> uh, lines yeah, then. Nice I thought there were so many good talking. lines in this. What, what, was, what was your favourite line? Um... Well, I've literally just mentioned it previously, but I just put, um, <laughs> it's where he says, where he says, oh, you old son of a bitch, how are you doing? How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three, play on the 30 line with only 34 seconds to go, Albert. <laughs> uh, sorry, 34 seconds to go. Uh, how do you think I feel? Betrayed, bewildered. And then he pauses. <laughs> Wrong response. And then our man just goes, I don't know. <laughs> they really, yeah, they well, that's his blind leading the blind, isn't <laughs> it, when he's trying to act, get him to act straight? Because he, you know, yeah. he's still a gay cabaret drug queen uh, owner. <laughs> yeah, You're yeah, not John yeah, Wayne yeah, trying yeah. to give him a I like how he... I like how he keeps having to have to smack his pinky yeah. down, which always kind of made me laugh. That is good. That yeah. is good. So, yeah, that was, that was my favourite. But there is... You're right, there is a lot of funny lines. And he's like in... Uh, I'm sorry, I don't... Just quickly, but when he goes, um, he's like, "This man took everything from me," you know. And he's like, "He made you short." <laughs> yeah, that's it. I didn't. I didn't make you short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, I got, yeah. I got like the, the funny, the funniest line, the one that made me genuinely go for, and the, the really like one that gave me a tear to the eye. The funniest one was when they talk when they're, they're so they're at the 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 families are meeting they're at the pie, uh, and he says, "Oh, it's mostly Jewish then." Barbara told us it was mostly sand. And our man says, well, you know the old saying, oh, yeah. where there's sand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one was funny, yeah, because it made no sense. <laughs> but it's like everyone was like, yeah, fair yeah, enough, yeah. 40 okay, years in the I desert, guess. why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, where there's sand. It's, it's the same. It was <laughs> and then the one that gave me yeah. a tear to the eye, which I thought was just really excellent and kind of, kind of in some ways, the moral message of the film really. Really, uh, when Val is, is talking to Armand and you know and, and saying, but the senator's going to be judging us and all that, uh, and he and he's mm. you know I could pass us straight, and he puts his hand to his cheek and puts it on the wall, showing it's all brown. Oh, yeah. Yes, I wear foundation. Yes, I live with a man. Yes, I'm a middle-aged fag, but I know who I am, Val. It took me twenty years to get here, and I'm not going to let some idiot senator destroy that. Fuck the senator. I don't give a damn what he thinks. And I thought, you know, if if anybody's mm. 
in any sort of marginalised community, especially one where you have to kind of accept yourself and so on, you know, especially LGBTQ, LGBTQ yeah. um, that must have been like a, a an amazingly so, celebratory. You know, they're, they're here, they're queer. Exactly, yeah, that must have been fantastic. It's very much of the, the time of that sort of, they're here, yeah. they're queer, get used to it sort of attitude, isn't it? You know, I think it was very much Hollywood coming to terms with homosexuals it was the um, saying we can address this stuff now that's mm. right it was the oh, I can't remember the full trivia uh, thing on this but it was something like only the second film with a leading openly gay character that got more than 10 million gross more than 10 million or something like that it made a lot it of made money. like 200 million dollars yeah it was unbelievable um, yeah. I, I completely sort of um, completely success. mashed that trivia fact but it's something like that it was only the second film with a leading gay character that did well basically yeah. um, what was the other uh, well now you ask me I mean Philadelphia did well so I don't know what I'm talking about yeah mm. that's definitely but then, uh, yeah look, maybe this Maybe this Philadelphia was the first, this is the second. Maybe that was it, but uh, I think... But I think in Philadelphia, not to spoil anything for you, but Tom Hanks' character, he's gay, but the law firm where he works, he's not... Right, maybe that's... Gay, yeah, maybe, maybe that doesn't count then. Um, well, oh, here we go. With 18.3 million, it was the highest weekend opening gross. Oh, here we go. With an openly gay character in the lead until Bruno... So it wasn't the second; it was it was the highest-grossing weekend uh, of any film with an opening character until Bruno, uh, uh, and it was what made for ten million. I mean, it's a raging success for the the money that it that it took to make it to what it returned. I think it was said it was like a hundred. Well, the the budget actually estimated thirty-one million. Probably a lot of that's on actors. Oh, um, oh actually, yeah, oh, it looks amazing, doesn't it? Like sets and uh, cinematography and Which actors I and so. I thought I made ten. I must have been. I'm not sure, but yeah, 31 um, million made, made nearly 200 million uh, worldwide gross. Um, that yeah. brings me on then to favourite shot, favourite shot of the film. Oh, just before we go oh. on to favourite shot, there were some more funny lines. Oh, sure. Uh, I like the one where, um, <laughs> in that same rant at the beginning, where he's like, oh, what does he say? Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, I've not written it down. Um or he's like, but you're a man. <laughs> and he's like, oh, <laughs> he's upset. I can't remember the line. Oh, that's, that's ruined. Amazing. Yeah, that's, I can't remember it with yeah. a either, to be honest. Yeah, that one's... Uh, but like I say, you know, listener, if you funny. if you do want to kind of... And, and apologies, listener, if you love this film to bits and it's a really important film for you that we're being a bit uh, lukewarm in it, you know, I do... I would rather one of us absolutely adored it to recommend it to the other, but it was just I took the risk uh, last week uh, and assuming that I absolutely adore it. Um, Favourite shots then, Hugh? Because it is a really very incredibly well shot film. Yeah, uh, the one that I went with... And that, there, there was two I could have gone for, but I went with this one. Is um, I just like the shot when uh, Albert has his toothbrush and he just flings it over <laughs> his shoulder and storms out. It's really flamboyant, but it's like this tiny little flick. And I know technically a shot should be like a yeah. skill, but it was just that little bit of you know physical humour that just made it really funny. <laughs> well for me I was the same it wasn't mine wasn't a still image it was um, you know a gif let's say favourite gif slash gif moment was when uh, Val and Armand uh, uh, toasting or they're drinking they're meeting up for the first time in ages and Val tells him he's getting married and he's, he's taking a drink of his wine and he suddenly upon hearing that just opens his jaw very wide and just 
shoves the whole glass of uh, wine down his down his gullet, and it's the best I've ever yeah. seen. That you know, it's quite an old joke that you know a character starts drinking and they're glugging, yeah, and glugging. but he didn't even glug; yeah. it just went like he just poured just it into. Opened his <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's because there was no glug there; it was just you know straight down. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that was. Um... Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, I, I also like when he goes to hit the glass on the phone. And he breaks the glass. <laughs> Here's my toast to you. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> no, that's not my toast. <laughs> did you something? Something I did forget to mention earlier before we move on is I like it did bring a bit of a you know a choking tear to the eye at the end when he's like, "This is my mum." Yeah. He's like talking about Albert. I thought I really liked that. Yeah, um, I just wish uh, it was done by a better actor because it made me. I just don't think he delivered it very well. But as a moment, I think he's, do you know what I think his problem is? And I don't mean to be mean because he seems like probably a perfectly nice, normal bloke, but it was a bit flat. Yeah. His performance. It was. It was like it was like a performance by somebody who's not very intelligent. So I was, I was really surprised to hear that you know he's a really intelligent guy because he wrote at least two very, very good films. You know, so he's not an idiot. It's just yeah, he just it's just a bit sort of vacant, isn't he? And and because he's not the best guy as well because he's been so sort of mean to his dad and, and their family about who they are for his, for his own yeah. purposes I just found those two things combined just totally put me off him yeah so yeah so like I was surprised that, that it managed to pull sort of that uh, that from me I can't I've been looking for that quote and <laughs> it's, and it's it, a sadly. sea of quotes really on but nevertheless yeah. yeah listen if you love this film then, then you'll know what she was on about and I do remember vaguely but I, I can't I can't quote it uh, so with that what we're going to do is go to a little break when we come back we'll find out what the critics thought we'll get a, a rating out of 10 from Hugh and a little quiz and then we're going to find out what we're going to do next week join us after the break Hello, welcome back to the third and final instalment of Please Watch This. We're ready for the critical response, Hugh. Um, please watch this cage. <laughs> yeah, given it was it was a film pre twenty thirteen. Who were we gonna get a review from? Um, could it be Gene Siskel? Uh, not in this instance. You close? Oh, you're so close, though. Oh, come on. Um, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. oh. <laughs> Barry Norman. <laughs> oh, you're getting farther away. Further oh, away. Oh, getting colder. It getting is, of colder. course, uh, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Roger Ebert. So, how many stars, Hugh, out of four, would old Rog give this film? I don't know if Rog would have liked this. I, have to, I genuinely don't know what Snoop Roger Rog thought of this <laughs> one. I'm not sure if he thought it was amazing, if he was like, meh, or if he was like, no, this is terrible, this was a bad performance all around. I, I, do you know what? Just tell me, because I'm never going to guess. I'm never going to do it second. After, well, after, was it last week or yeah. when he didn't like... Um, no, he did like. Mrs. Oh, he didn't like Raising Arizona. Yeah, he didn't like Raising Arizona. It's crazy. So, yeah. as as for this film, he quite liked it. Three out of four stars, seventy five percent. Yeah. So he, he says, since the material is familiar, what's a little amazing is how fresh it seems at times in the hands of the American cast. Robin Williams is the best surprise in a role that seems written as a license for flamboyance. He's more restrained than in anything he's done since Awakenings. 
Nathan Lynn from Broadway's Guys and, Guys and Dolls doesn't have quite the semi-hysterical sincerity that Michael Cero had in the original, and his impersonation of Val's mother is a little too obvious and over the top, but he works well the rest of the time, especially in his more pensive passages. One problem is that some of his biggest moments, as when he tries to practice walking like John Wayne, are telegraphed from the earlier movie. The Birdcage is the first time Mike Nichols and Elaine May, have, uh, who helped define improvisational comedy in the 1950s, have worked together on a movie. What mostly sparkles from their work here is the dialogue. As when the senator's daughter, trying to cast the situation in the best possible light, explains that South Beach is about two minutes from Fisher Island, where Jed Bush lives. Uh, so yeah, he, he quite liked it. He was kind of balanced, but overall quite liked it. Would you like to hear a less positive review, Hugh? Yes, please. Old Edward Guthman from the San Francisco Chronicle um, gave it 50%. Wondering why Mike Nichols felt the need to remake La Cage aux Folies, the 1978 French classic. After witnessing The Birdcage, a glossy miscalculation with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, you'll wonder even more. Everybody knows Williams is like, are you on your phone again, Hugh? No, I'm looking up... Okay. Do you want to to listen to the review or are you... I'm listening. Okay, good. I'm listening. (laughs) Everybody knows uh, Williams is at his best when he's unhinged and cuckoo. So already you've got a problem here. Subdued isn't a natural mode for him. Well, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't seen the film. What's the film? Goodwill Hunting. He hasn't seen that yet. Mm. Still, though, he's miscast. Williams at least attempts a rounded performance and hits the right emotional chords in his scenes with Val, the 20-year-old son he begat. Uh, there's a warmth to those scenes, but warmth is a quality that Williams' co-star Lane never attempts. Lane is a stage veteran, and his performance, consequently, is big, brassy, and annoying, as if he were playing to the folks in the top balcony. He's a clown, but he lacks the essential quality of all great clowns, pathos, and a beating heart beneath the mask. I, I disagree with almost everything he's said there, even though yeah, I'm a bit mad on the film. With, I disagree with that sort of, yeah, that estimation of Lane's character. He's a drag queen. He's going to be over the top. But he also you know, does have some, pathos, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's absolutely know, he's brimming up, with it. Yeah, when he's upset and he's leaving and, you know, you feel it, even though it's like, oh, well, yeah, unlikely. But, you know, when they are sat together on, on the quayside or whatever, yeah. you do feel it, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not not a very accurate review. And I think he's looking at this from maybe from a contemporary view of uh, Roger, Robin Williams, you know, who is known as being wacky and cuckoo, but to us, he's yeah. known as that, what but also do, more sentimental. This have been the year after Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, Doubtfire so he's still capable of that. Ninety-four, that I think. Yeah. I mean, was I it ninety-one? I can't remember. No, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was maybe ninety-three, ninety-four, some yeah. period like that. No, I was just, and uh, yeah, I was just looking up the original. Yeah, because that, that came out in '78, so you know, there's only like 18 years between the two. Yeah, films. so film critics yeah. know that film probably too well to fully yeah. enjoy this. So yeah, an, yeah, an interesting, interesting response to it. It was overall good reviews. There, 72 percent on uh, Metacritic. Yeah, I noticed that it had. Yeah, I saw that it got had like broadly positive reviews, which I think maybe in hindsight, I can see some of the stuff. But other things, yeah, it, it's just... Go on then, Sam, you're going to ask me you're going to ask me the big question. How many leapfrogging Greeks out of ten would you give this film? <laughs> this it sits easily as a five for me. Oh, it's a five? Wow, I really thought a six for you there. No, this is very much middle of the road. Um, 
Yeah, I, I said, I put in sort of what, what I didn't like about it, which I didn't actually forgot to read out. This film isn't better than the sum of its parts. Even though mm. he's got Robin Williams, Gene Hackman, um, Nathan Lane, uh, Hank Azaria, Clarissa Flockhart. Um, you know, it's got all these good actors and good performers. It just doesn't quite hit the notes that you feel like this cast should. And I think maybe that's, like you said, maybe something to do with the editing. Perhaps the script isn't, great it's just it just doesn't feel like it it feels like it could do you know what i would love to see the original yeah if that makes sense because i want to see what 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 the french did with it originally and to see if it's funnier than this or if it's as i don't know it does smack of a remake doesn't it yeah do you know what i mean yeah, now yeah. you say it and, and i, I think it. i think it's a good point that it isn't it's not some of its parts I, I just i just would love to see a 90 minute version of this film where the you know the the minutes from sort of twenty two to fifty two are just a montage, yeah. You know, and that's it, yeah, and that that's all we need. And get get the get the families together, a montage of yeah. the of the journey, a montage of them making up and you know whatever all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Five. I think I'll probably give it six point five, something like that. You know, it's really. I probably won't rewatch it. Um, Did you enjoy it though? Did you? Were you sat there when you were watching? Go. Oh, this is a good film. I, I wish I'd seen this sooner. No, I was. I was really falling asleep in that. In that. In that middle half, um, and by the time we got to the dinner scene, I was kind of happy that we'd finally got to a thing that had pace to it and rhythm and fast to it. But yeah. it became, you know, too late. I did too enjoy. Late. I did enjoy, like, like I like that both sides get the win though at the end. Yeah, like, even though Gene Hackman's character isn't, you know, the most likable character in the film. <laughs> I mean, he he's Rush Limbaugh, get... basically. It's very not likable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he. Um, he does get out of the club and he's dressed. I like. I love the bit when he's like saying, "He's like, no one will dance with me." Yeah. <laughs> and then he says to his driver, "Meet me around so and so in twenty minutes. Yeah. Not in a million years, darling." Uh, oh no, he says no. He didn't. He, does he say for a million? I thought he said not for a million bucks. Oh, not for a million bucks. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's and that's like the pretty much. I'd, yeah, and you know, it's rare that you can watch a film where. I get you get two laughs out of Nathan Lane going whoa because <laughs> <laughs> there's the one when he walks into the apartment and sees that it's all been redecorated yeah. and then as they're as they're about to kiss in the wedding at the end and he does it again. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> that <did> me, <laughs> yeah that did make me laugh that was good all right let's let's see how much you remember of the film then we're gonna have a little uh, five oh, question quiz here we go quite a tricky one. Um, some yeah, some easy questions. I think you'll get. I think you'll get them all. Or most of them. Uh, question one: out. What song opens the film? Uh, we are family. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got my stepsisters with me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my brothers with me. <laughs> uh, question two: From which Central American country is Agador? Guatemala. Guatemala. It's my Guatemalan this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number three. Well done. What number three? What is Albert's stage name? Starina. Well done. Very good. Three out of three. What are it's written on the front? Isn't it? That's right. That's right. Question four. What are Pirins? Pirins. Pirins. Yeah. I'll give you a, uh, more context. Uh, the the supplements. The the. Uh, Oh, medication yeah. that Albert takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
So Pirin's are Asprey <laughs> with the A and the S scratch. That's death. right. See, and, what I find uh, with this film is, so when I was looking through the yeah, when I was looking funny, through yeah. the quotes, I found it funnier than when I watched the film. Yeah. It's so much funnier on the page. I thought this film. He's funny though, where he's like, "You're giving him drugs." Yeah. <laughs> he's really angry, and then he's like, and he explains to me, he goes, "You're a genius." <laughs> Question he's five. Like, and Albert's like, "The Pirins are the only thing that." Yeah. <laughs> so in that same scene, we learn that Albert gained and lost a lot of weight in the last twelve months, uh, without yeah. any validation from Armand. How much did he gain and lose? He said he was it like a. Did he say like a hundred pounds? Hundred pounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's that about He's seven like stones? Like yeah, he was going from a size sixteen to a size ten to a size sixteen. Not a, yeah, not a moment of validation from you or recognition. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that was quite funny. Well done. You got five out of five. I'm very impressed. Yes. Uh, yes. All-time great score, hundred percent. Well done. Victory. Now, two big questions. The first big question is uh, overall. Would you recommend this film? I probably wouldn't, Sam. Yeah. If I'm being brutally honest with you. It's not that it's a bad film. It's just not... Not for you. It's just not... It's not on the please watch this recommend list. Yeah, fair enough. A a rare no, then, for the show. But perhaps, you know, perhaps it... uh, you know, it was one of those films that struck a chord with people at the time. You know what I mean? Exactly. If, like you said, if you're a drag queen and or you're a, you're a gay, you know, the LBG. I thought you were going to say gay Jew then. <laughs> if you're a gay Jew, yeah. If you're a gay Jew, probably, you're right, Ali? Yeah, yeah. Where there's right. sand. This is very much about you, yeah. But yeah, you know, it might have, um, you know, it might, you know, people like to be represented on screen and yeah. it's important. So perhaps... You know, for middle-aged men with moustaches out there. I mean, <laughs> did they have to give him a moustache? Because it was like saying, I'm gay, this is the proof of it, I have a moustache. <laughs> you see you me know? in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, I don't want you confusing me with that guy. I've got a moustache, see? Yeah. Yeah, well... Yeah, but then... but it's, Well, it's actually one of those strange things, because when he's dressed the way he is, um, he's very much... You know, you can tell he's like flamboyant gay sort of character. Yeah. But... When he's dressed, but when he's got the suit on and he's got the moustache, he does kind of look like this patriarchal figure. Well, that's it. Of the two, of. he's the more chameleonic, isn't he? Because he's he's yeah. kind of going around and schmoozing and kissing everyone's cheeks at the start. But then, yeah, he also puts on a great yeah. show as the as the uh, the man of the house um, when they come round. There's an interesting show on Amazon at the moment, which I've been trying to get you to watch, called Invincible. Oh, yeah. And the main character, well, not the main character, but the main character's dad in that has one of those, like, patriarchal-esque moustaches. Right, yeah. But, and you just completely buy that, yeah, man's got a moustache. <laughs> <laughs> he knows where the lawnmower's kept, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that very American sort of way, isn't it? Yeah. That they have moustaches. <laughs> to assert dominance. My, my other yeah, big question for you then, Hugh, the, the big important question is, what film are we going to do next week? And, well, and have sticking, you seen it? <laughs> I have seen it. I've, seen it. I've actually seen it quite a few times. Okay. Um, we're going to stick with the 90s, man, because nice. it's the 90s. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid fun. Gene Hackman isn't in What's this. What's the point? I, I know, I know. <laughs> But it does have a couple of actors that I know you do like. It's got Kurt Russell and uh, James Spader Ooh. in it. So we're going to watch the... And I know you've not got a, a fun history with this director, but we're going to watch the Roland Emmerich directed film, um, Stargate. Yes. Sam, what do you know about Stargate? Uh, this might sound an incredibly stupid question. Is it the same Stargate as Stargate SG-1 and all that? <laughs> 
It is, yes. Right, okay. That's sort of what I didn't want to hear. But then again, I haven't really given them much of a chance. Have you ever watched Stargate SG-1? Uh, I've watched bits uh, when I was younger over the years, maybe with you or uh, with other family I mean, members. Uh, I don't think me and you, I don't think I would have made you sit down and watch one. No, but you know, <laughs> I spent a lot, around, a lot of time around your house, you might have just had yeah, it on. But well, yeah, I don't really perhaps. have any actual have opinion to say, on it other than, did, did, uh, not for me, but we'll see. I have to say the TV show itself was, although it shared the DNA of the film, Obviously, it's a TV show from the 90s. The budget isn't massive. It's got a very different look to what the film has, where the film's obviously a big budget action film yeah. from 1994. Well, this is um, it, and it's, it's all... I mean, I can't even picture it as separate from various Star Trek um, versions and things, so I don't even know if I've got an actual picture in my head of Stargate. So I am going in with enough. an open mind, because you know it's yeah. the film version as well, which I think is important. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and I, you know, like you say, I like Spader, I like Russell... Not a fan of Roland yeah. Emmerich, but this one isn't about uh, how, you know, if you're poor, you can't write great art. So, uh, yeah. And if anything, this could be, you know, one of those, it's so bad, it's good for you. Yeah, exactly. Past, Just fun, you know, fun film. Yeah. We'll see. I think, I think, I think you'll, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll reserve my judgment. Yeah, as will I, as will yeah. I. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah. that's great. Uh, Hugh, all that remains to be asked is if the listeners want to get in touch with us, tell us their favourite iteration of the Stargate saga. Uh, how could they do that? Well, what they need to do is they've got two options here. Oh, they right. can either become a senator yep. and use the uh, computers in you know, Capitol Hill, <laughs> you know, preferably where that dome is under the dome, <laughs> or they can open their own um, drag queen nightclub. Yeah, um, they can't call it the Birdcage because that's taken, obviously. Mm. Um, but they can call it whatever they want. I don't know what drag, what are drag queen uh, cabaret shows called. Uh, clubs called even. Uh, well, you tell me, mate. Boys to men. <laughs> so open really a cabaret sense. night called Boys to Men. Yep, yep. And uh, there, what you need to do is you need to um, use the computers from there. <laughs> and then, if you can't do that, well, but if you can do that and you can use the computer, what are you going to do with the computer to get into? You're going to email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail dot com. Right. Let us know what your favourite drag queen is if you think this film represents enough gay people perhaps uh, alternatively um, get on a star gate probably quite a lot of technology in that um, they've probably got twitter still on twitter we're at please watch pod they are and that's that's where you can find us so with yeah. that Hugh let's thank the listener for sticking with us thank you listener for sticking with us through thick and thin 89 episodes now so is it? Is it keep, we're gonna keep, Gosh, you're going to keep saying this until, until, well, until we've not got any more episodes. Yeah, we just we, we find until the heat death of the universe. Incredulous. <laughs> yeah, in trillions, <laughs> in trillions of trillions of years. Look forward yeah. to that, Lister. I love you, and yeah. I'll talk talk at you next week with you. Not the heat death of yeah, the universe. Oh, stick around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.